0: Good afternoon, and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is the program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, the program's designed for somebody like me. There's a lot I don't understand. It doesn't have to be something soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been on my mind for a while. I find that rather than getting into a deep theological discussion, a casual front porch style talk with a pastor is the best way to understand him. That's what this program is all about. Today's guest is Kirk Clayton. He's pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Muskego, Illinois. I have my questions and I'm sure you have yours. You can send your questions by email at any time to Let's Talk at kfuo.org. Or call in during the program. If you're in the St. Louis area, including Metro East, that number is area code 314 821 Anywhere in the lower 48, you can call in toll free at 1-800-730-2727. Pastor, welcome back to the program.
1: Thank you. It's good to be back with you.
0: It is. It is indeed. Uh, these are my, I love this program because there's, <laughs> there's always questions. Believe me. Sometimes I wonder about myself. You know, is, is my faith strong enough? And as it says, you know, there are things I, 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 I am a Lutheran. I believe the Lutheran doctrine. I believe in the confessions, but boy, there's things I don't understand. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was a, um, a, a topic of a conversation I had with my wife a couple of days ago. We were talking about the current situation with COVID and the cities going up in flames, things like that. And I had said something to the fact of, well, when things get back to normal, and my wife said to me, this is the new normal It's going to be like this in the next couple of years or so.
1: I certainly hope she's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I, I don't know your wife, and I'm sure she's a wonderful woman. But on this point, I I hope that uh, there is a different uh, level of normality that we can resume Sometime in the in the uh, in the future, but uh, go ahead. <laughs> Setting the situation up there. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I think she she was specifically referring, I think, more to the COVID situation, yeah. where she was saying uh, we're probably going to be wearing still wearing these masks a couple of years from now, or maybe even more. Uh, and I'm looking at going through the Bible and and just from my own experiences that. There have been times when what we have considered normal has suddenly been turned on its head, and we have to face a new situation. And as I said, I think the Bible is full of situations like that. Whether it's uh, the fall of, uh, say, Judea or Israel, or their, uh, the uh, the coming of uh, Moses with the out of the uh, land of uh, Egypt, but there are things that happen that sometimes our whole world gets turned upside down. And I'd I'd want to try to approach that at least initially from a pastoral point of view. What do you think is happening?
1: Well, as you mentioned, there are times where things get turned upside down, and another one that I can think of that we're coming up on an anniversary of within a couple of weeks would be, of course, the attacks on September eleventh, two 2001, coming up on uh, the 19th anniversary there. And I remember for a period of, you know, several days, things were, uh, we were just in total shock and then kind of moved through, we know things are going to change somewhat, and then over the next coming weeks and months, um, you know, airport security lines became much longer for a time, and then that kind of stabilized, and new equipment was brought in, and and then that changed somewhat. So, you know, over the period of time, uh, you know, up until six months ago, we had been functioning at a, a fairly normal level of societal function, Um, you know, we we might be aware that, oh, the the government raised the travel risk from green to yellow, so, you know, we're just going to keep an eye out a little bit more. But it didn't really affect everyday life that much. So my hope is still that, um, you know, we can return to a little bit more normal sense of life in the coming months. As we look back, we already have in some ways – I uh I remember back in March and April where, you know, everybody was home. There were very few businesses that were open, restaurants were not open. Um, there were almost no cars on the road. I mean literally, uh, if you were out walking and someone was was walking down the sidewalk, you would cross the street half a block ahead so that you didn 't come within you know a street 's width of somebody on the sidewalk, at least in the the rural areas where I live that was uh, feasible i 'm not sure in, in uh, more populated suburban or urban areas if you could be quite that uh, that distant, but that has all relaxed a lot but there are certainly things that have not that some of which are just a nuisance like masks uh, some of which are more concerning but also with masks i i don't know if you've seen but I'm, i'm starting to see a bit more Um, even research-driven pushback that masks were kind of a knee-jerk reaction you remember initially people said masks aren't going to help and the analogy is uh, you know wearing masks to stop COVID is like putting up a chain-link fence to keep mosquitoes out of your yard Uh, it just doesn't work Um, but there but then there came this knee-jerk reaction oh no we all have to wear masks but now there, there's starting to be some research indicating that not only are masks really not terribly effective against COVID, they may actually be detrimental in trapping germs closer to your face where you're more likely to breathe them in. So, you know, I don't know that that's going to be the standard going forward. Um, it might be. I think some of the, uh, the Asian countries have become much more acclimated to wearing masks on a, on a virtually permanent basis um, <laughs> i I find it to be a nuisance and annoying, so I kind of hope it doesn 't but you know um, but there are other things that I think, from a pastoral standpoint, are much more concerning and one thing that that really um catches my attention as a pastor who is charged from God with the care of his people is that it seems unfortunately that in some ways the new normal in covid is that we fear each other, and we, instead of looking at each other as a precious child of God placed around us to love and care for, we look at the people around us as, you know, potential vectors of infection. Uh, you know, is the person uh, who is my, you know, coworker, is this person a um a dear soul to be loved and cared for, or is this person someone to fear because they may infect me oh with a virus that causes flu like symptoms in most people for a couple of days and has an over ninety nine percent survival rate but that's uh a um a sarcastic aside <laughs> <laughs> but the 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 underlying fear remains no matter how we view covid unfortunately. And I remember this very clearly early on. Um, if someone approached you you just you physically backed away, and they did too. and I thought, you know we we cannot live as though every other human being around us is a threat. We are not called to fear everyone around us. We are called to love everyone around us and so i do have concerns that our our new normal seems to be a lot less uh care oriented than it had been another mark of this from a pastoral standpoint is um i i can't see many of my residents in nursing homes um i can't you know if someone is rushed to the hospital Six months ago, my uh, pastoral practice would be, you know, I dropped what was happening, and I rushed to the hospital and was there with a the person or with their family. You uh, can't do that. Uh, and while some hospitals and some nursing homes are relaxing a little bit, uh, in that perhaps you might be able to have a 15-minute visit on the patio outside with a nursing home resident. You might be able to, some hospitals are allowing, you know, one visitor per patient to actually come into the hospital. Still, there is a um, a very much arm-length view toward care. And um, this, you know... <sighs> I, I, I hesitate to say we can't allow this to become the new normal, but this is something that is very concerning if it is allowed to become the new normal because God does not put us together to stay uh, you know, six feet apart at all times from all people or to forsake those who are in the nursing homes or to uh, not visit those who are in the hospital in their times of need. When we were in need, we don't need separation. We need support. And that can best be done in person. Phone can do so much, but you, you can't convey the fullness of your, your presence and God's, God's gift of, of a brother in Christ over the phone. Uh, and so one of my big concerns about the potential new normal is the way that we view each other. We, we cannot live in isolated fear from the fellow uh, human beings created in his image that God has placed around us. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ to love, not to look at with dread as a possible source of infection.
0: Well, I know in my church, uh, I have a... I'm a member of a very small congregation, so social distancing is not really a problem at services. Uh, but, you know, when they come by to pick up the uh, collection plate, the, uh, the collection, the uh, usher is wearing the mask. Uh, we've made some big changes in how the uh, the Lord's Supper is presented. Uh, the pastor is wearing gloves. He's, of course, uh, wearing a mask. And uh, he, the, the, you only allow like three or four people up to the up to the banister at a time to receive the host. So you know, this is one change that we have made. Uh, and you know, I can see your point. It, it, it bothers me that we're losing the sense of community that we have had as members of, of God's community, as Lutherans, as as members of the, uh, of the church. And this is going on and on and on. And you know, you talked about earlier about uh, do the masks work, do they not work? The problem is is that there are experts on both sides. Some right. say, yeah. And personally I, I I have some serious doubts as to the efficiency of the masks, but I wear one. I could be wrong. Maybe the experts who say they work are right. I don't know. So I'm going on the conservative approach. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wear one if only out of the courtesy to people around me who might who might think otherwise. Uh It doesn't harm me to wear it. Uh, I do it voluntarily. I I would certainly have some problems if uh, the government would say you have to, as is the case in certain jurisdictions. In Illinois, for example, you have much more strict uh, regulations than we do here in the state of Missouri. And uh, that's something I look at as well. And sometimes the the new normal can creep up on us and we don't really anticipate it. for example, you mentioned 9-11. Uh, I remember when that happened. Uh, my late wife, that particular day, was uh, flying to visit some friends in um, in Washington State. And so she got off. Well, got, she actually was a little bit. <laughs> there were the problems, because all the airliners were wherever it was grounded. Uh, but I remember when she finally uh, left. I mean, I took her out to the airport and dropped her off. And there were armed soldiers in the airport. Okay, we don't have that anymore, but now we have these huge checkpoints where everybody has to go through and and pass a a security check. You uh, you can't take any kind of a liquid on board the plane. Things along that line that we are now accepting. It was never part of the normal back then, but now we are accepting that. And there's been a lot of other changes along with that that we now just accept. Uh, And I'm wondering... If perhaps we're not going to be doing the same thing with our current situation, both with uh, COVID and, uh, frankly, with the civil unrest, I- I'm really concerned about that.
1: Yeah, the um, <clears throat> the civil unrest is another issue that you know when the. Um, When the unrest first popped up, that was the last week of May, first week of June. We've had some periods of unrest before, um, you know, perhaps most recently of, of memory in this area in Ferguson. Was that about six years ago or seven years ago? And that went on for... A period of uh, a couple of weeks and then uh, Kind of came to a resolution and there's been some rebuilding since then um, But yeah, I, I certainly didn't think in mid-June that we would still be talking about you know new places of uh, Unrest popping up and even in for example is it Portland almost continual unrest, you know two months uh, almost three months later Um, So, yeah, one one does worry that there might be a uh, longer-lasting implication there, although, you know, hopefully perhaps that can um, be an an eye-opening experience to recognize that, you know, perhaps there are, uh, issues that need to be addressed at a deeper, more profound level that uh, we have not addressed. That um, from the, the standpoint of a person living in rural America, uh, by and large, race relations seemed pretty good, um, and there seemed to be uh, not nearly perhaps the, the personal animosity in racism that had been um, notable 50 years ago, 70 years ago. But, uh, you know, perhaps there are some things that are coming to attention that that do need the church's attention and need to be addressed, um, that perhaps we can um, still find ways to work towards a uh, a better, more unified society in the way that God would have us to uh, see all of our fellow brothers and sisters as, uh, uh, as precious children of God.
0: Well, what, so, one of the things that we're seeing nowadays, uh, another one of these changes that's creeping up on us. Uh, I remember, you know, everything from the riots from Watts to uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, Rodney King beating, other things like that. Uh, but in that case, the authorities tended to move in rather quickly to try to restore order. That's not the case now. We're seeing where local authorities are sometimes siding with the rioters or simply ordering their police to stand down and let it and let it pass. And that is a new development that really... I I really keep my eye on. Another new development, and we're coming up on this in just a a couple of weeks, will be the anniversary of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, Mm -hmm. where he preached the universality of humanity. You know, if he gave that speech today, I think he would be denounced as an Uncle Tom. What we're looking at now is a resurgence of balkanization or tribalization where we no longer identify ourselves as being part of the body of Christ, part of the body of humanity as American citizens. We're, we're looking at each other now as members of a different group and that are not getting along, that are hostile to one another. And we're seeing a lot of bloodshed because of this. And it's been going on and on and on. And as I say, the very basic situation has changed from what it had been in the past. And I pray to God this is not the new normal, but I'm afraid it is.
1: And it seems that uh, much of the unrest is driven by a page out of the playbook of uh, radical communism where you want to divide people, you want to set the... um, the wealthy against the the proletariat. You want the proletariat to rise up in violent revolt and overthrow. And so uh, struggles either between classes or between races is kind of a page taken straight out of the communist playbook, um, which, by the way, tends also to be at its foundation, atheistic, and thus, you know, completely opposed to Christianity, whereas the message of Christianity is one of uh, radical love, even uh, when you are not in positions of power or authority. And that tends actually to be, um, in a very unexpected way, a far more powerful witness than force. Um, peaceful, truly humble um, resistance against tyranny tends to be far more um, notable in the long run, especially, than uh, violence and the use of force. And so. Uh, I think that a society that tries to move forward through division, a society that tries to move forward by pitting one group against another, that tries to use force to compel a message, um, is it, it may look outwardly successful for a period of time, but ultimately is going to fail and fail badly. Uh, true change doesn't come through, through outside force. True change comes through the... Um, through the heart, which is through the gift of peace, which God gives, not through dividing one against another and pitting one group against other groups and using force to compel your way. Um, The much more powerful and the much more subversive uh, way that things actually do change for the good in a society is through the the humble message of unity, love, and forgiveness as shown us by Jesus Christ.
0: I hope you're right. I mean, I, I know theologically you're correct. Let me rephrase that.
1: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we, we hope we see more of it in society. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm, I'm old enough to remember uh, in the... Uh, in the fifties and sixties, I remember remember the separate drinking fountains. I remember the separate restrooms, things like that. Uh, and then along comes Martin Luther King. Along comes the uh, the people who were with him on that, who who were doing what you were saying, who were using peaceful means to expose the wrongs. They would suffer the wrongs to expose them. Uh, it's one of the things i know for example if you if you read uh, thoreau if you read gandhi if you read martin luther king part of the part of the successful part of the success of civil disobedience is the willingness to accept the punishment of unjust laws and that brings down the public consciousness. And this is what King did. This is what Thoreau did. It's what Gandhi did in many instances. It's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Yeah, (laughs) What an example. (laughs) You're you're right. That's exactly what Jesus did. And he suffered the ultimate penalty for unjust laws. And ultimately, of course, Jesus triumphed. He rose from the dead. My gosh, what more of a triumph is that? And... Dr. King's vision, I think, had an enormous impact. I mean, things are, are much, much different now from what they were in the 60s. And, uh, but I'm looking at it now, and it seems that his message is being forgotten, uh, where the, uh, you know, the, the famous phrase, the content of the character, not the color of the skin, mm-hmm. well, that's reversed nowadays among among a lot of activists where you know color blindness is actually a mess, is actually racist seeing that all lives are equal all lives matter in the eyes of God that's somehow racist this is a frightening development and I'm hoping that it will perhaps eventually fade away but the pessimist in me the the weak soul of me the old Adam in me has wonders
1: well, I had a very interesting opportunity about a month ago. I was um, giving a presentation for an apologetics group. And the um, the speaker before me was a uh, highly regarded researcher, scholar, sociologist that uh, I have really admired and looked up to his work for a number of years. And um, I had the opportunity to have lunch with him and chat with him after his presentation. And um, he is black. And he mentioned that, um, you know, this was about the time where a lot of statues were being torn down and a lot of vandalism was going on. And he pointed out in his presentation that, you know, pulling down a statue from one group's heroes rarely gets you anywhere because then you just have people mad at you who want to pull down statues from your side. And it's, it's mutually destructive. Um, now, when we had lunch together he was able to mention that as a black youth growing up, he definitely faced situations that many white youths would not have in his uh, situation. Now he was determined, he was extremely hardworking, he persevered, but he mentioned that for him to get a job Um, There were no jobs in his exact neighborhood. Uh, He did not have a car accessible to him. And so he rode public transportation, I think it was an hour each way, to get to a job, I think it was at a fast food restaurant. But there just were not jobs in his area. And so... um, you know, he did not have the same access or the same time that, for example, I had where, yeah, I worked in a fast food restaurant when I was the same age, but it was about five blocks away and I had a vehicle. (laughs) So, um, you know, but through his very humble, peaceful conversation, uh, he was able to bring much more to light in my mind, and I was able to understand much better than any number of statues being torn down ever could have done well, the other I had... thing that Go ahead. The, the other thing that happens with this is um, for better or for worse when there's an extreme reaction there's often an extreme counter reaction and so um, you know as uh, various protests become more violent uh, or as properties destroyed or statues are thrown down, um, the reaction tends to become stronger too. And so it may be that as you're talking about, you know, what is the new normal going forward, uh, the new normal going forward may actually not be the actions that we're seeing now. It may actually be a very strong reaction in the opposite direction, which I don't think means a return to, uh, you know, open racism and open double standards, as you're talking about with the two water fountains and the two bathrooms. I I don't know quite what it is, but I would not be surprised, actually, if the new normal is formed not... uh, due to the actions of the riots and the civil unrest we see, but actually the the new normal going forward is the counter reaction to that.
0: Well, I had I had, a, I had a, a, a an incident incident too strong too strong a word. I had uh, a conversation some months ago with several of my coworkers, and uh, we were discussing um, you know what to do when the cops come. And I said, you you know, when I was a teen, I said, you know, I remember my dad taking me aside, saying, look, the cops, you see the cop behind you? Pull over, roll down the window, turn off the ignition. If it's at night, turn on the dome lights and sit quietly with your hands on top of the wheel and wait for the police officer to come up and talk to you. Well, one of my coworkers who was listening was black and said, I didn't know white people got that. So, so yeah, we get the discussion, too. Uh, pastor Clayton, got to you know. take a little break here, but we got a lot more to talk about. This is a very important subject. Hi, I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross
1: Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County, inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. How do I keep my kids in church? Will there still be a church for them to go to? New people have moved into my neighborhood. How do I reach out to them?
0: Our challenges are many, but it is Jesus who makes disciples for life through his church. Let's come together as the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod to discuss this joyful work. Learn more about the Making Disciples for Life initiative at lcms.org slash makingdisciples. Again, that's lcms.org slash makingdisciples.
1: For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The prophet Isaiah chapter 55 verses 10 and 11. Begin and conclude your day with the word that accomplishes the purposes for which it is sent. Morning Prayer at 7 a.m. and Evening Prayer at 5 p.m. Weekdays on KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. The broadcasts of Morning Prayer and Evening Prayer are underwritten by Lutherans for Life. Few other books are as ancient, yet as modern, as this book of all books, the Bible.
0: And, did you know, even after thousands of years, the Bible continues to outsell other books? And, did you know, it continues its influence through modern software, apps, and on smartphones and tablets around the world?
1: And at the center of amazing advances in technology, going back to the invention of movable metal type as the first major book printed on the Gutenberg printing press in the 15th century. As a recent article in the Israel Ministry of Tourism points out, this innovation in technology resulted in a rise in the literacy and education of common people who, for the first time, were able to read the Bible in their own language. Engage with the Bible in its
0: history, its narrative, and its impact.
1: Brought to you by Museum of the Bible.
0: Welcome back. To Let's Talk, the pastor is in. I'm program host, Kip Allen. My guest pastor today is Pastor Kirk Clayton from Zion Lutheran Church in Muscoota, Illinois. And we are discussing the new normal. If you have some thoughts on that, we'd love to hear from you. If you're in the St. Louis area, including Metro East, that number is 314-821-0850. Anywhere in the lower 48, you can call in toll-free at 1-800-730-2727. Or you can email us at Let's talk. At kfuo.org, Pastor Clayton, going along with the with what we had mentioned before. Now I will confess that on two separate occasions I have had police officers draw guns on me, Uh, scare the bewillikers out of me. But you know, it happens. you You know, I'm about as white as you can get. But yeah, it happened.
1: Well there certainly sounds like a story there that would be uh, worth hearing on a different occasion but um <laughs> yeah the uh I wanted to get back though too to what you'd mentioned before the um uh, the break that your father had a conversation with you about you know if you're pulled over you know turn on the light um you know be be respectful but uh we do need to acknowledge that um if if I have a police officer pull up behind me and turn on the lights, um, I mean, to be frank, I, I'm a, I'm concerned about perhaps getting a ticket, um, but the thought generally doesn't cross my mind that I might be dragged out of the car and, and taken away in handcuffs. Um, and that's not necessarily the same thought that goes through uh, the minds of uh, other people of our nation when they are pulled over. And um, there, there is demonstration of this uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek term of uh, you know being pulled over for, for driving while black um and so the advice your father gave you you know is certainly good advice to to anyone in that situation but um i mean I, I think we do need to acknowledge that that i have a little bit different view of police officers because uh you know if i'm pulled over i i often think back and think oh you know what you know i i i was stepping on the gas a little too heavy there I was going downhill yeah uh i hope i don't get a ticket <laughs> um <laughs> The, the The thought of you know being taken away in in handcuffs doesn't cross my mind that's not necessarily the experience of of all people and you know our our police officers have an incredibly difficult job, but they are not without sin either and the The entire issue that we're talking about is one rooted in sin and the uh there are two things that are not the answer to sin. <laughs> One that's not the answer to sin is ignoring it. That's that's not the answer. There there are problems in our society. There are problems with policing. I say that cautiously. My younger brother is a police officer, and I, you know, I think the world of him and the very difficult position that he is in. But there are problems with uh, policing. There are problems in many areas of society, and the one incorrect answer to sin to, is to ignore it. The other incorrect answer to sin is to uh, take the response into our own hands. Uh, and so violence, for example, is not the answer to sin. It's another sin. Um, ignoring sin <laughs> is another sin. But responding violently to sin is also another sin. Uh, the the uh, solution to sin is repentance and forgiveness. Uh, And so that's simply, that's not the language of society, uh, and that's not the normal human thought process. That is where the church has such a tremendous gift to give to society that we can not only teach, but we can model and we can enact uh, forgiveness, repentance and forgiveness in a society that very much needs that.
0: Well, I think one thing... uh... We talked about the police the police departments. I personally believe that police officers need to be held to a higher standard than most people. These are people who have authority and power over us, and they have got to be answerable to someone over someone who is is separate from their department uh, maybe civilian review boards. I know that 's a controversial issue, but yeah we need to we need to. Examine this very, very closely. I remember, for example, during the uh, with the Rodney King situation, I saw that on tape, and King was not a nice guy. Let's let's say that up front. He was doing some really bad things, but after the he was apprehended and was down on the ground, those police officers continued wailing on him with their batons again and again and again and again. That's wrong. Police should not mete out punishment. They are there to apprehend and to hold over for the judicial system, which will then determine guilt or innocence and issue punishment. And uh, I I remember being appalled when the verdict came out uh, acquitting the officers of that. In my mind, there was absolutely no excuse for what had gone on. The fight was over. They were beating the, the, the living daylights out of the sky. Again, not a good guy, but hey, that's not what the cops are for.
1: The The problem, I think, is that the the frustration is that, you know, one would hope we could have learned a lesson from that 25, that's about 25 years ago, I think now, right?
0: Oh, yeah, that and, was quite a, quite a ways back.
1: Yeah, so I think early 90s, if I recall correctly, close to 30 years ago, maybe, Um but that one would hope that would have learned a lesson from that, but people are seeing that same type of behavior repeated again and again today. And um the I, I'm not condoning the reaction, but the sense is if that didn't catch our attention, we need to uh, you know, make a bigger issue of it so that we can can hopefully affect change in the future, so you know we we do need to be very aware that uh, <laughs> sin continues to rear its ugly head, and we need to continue to uh, contend against that sin, including at times the sin of um, police brutality or uh, racism, as we find it anywhere. And um, we do need to struggle against this and bring the message that, uh, you know, Christ died for all. God created all of us. God has given us all the dignity of his image, and we are all his precious children. And we need to continue to bring that uh, that. That message, which alone can ultimately affect change in a way that anger and violence never can. Well, you know,
0: go on, Kirk, go ahead. Go on.
1: Uh, as as we're talking about uh, the different things of a new normal uh, changing the topic a little bit, but a completely different category that uh, I'm thinking of. We, we've talked about kind of this fear between human beings as hopefully not the new normal the uh, the racial unrest hopefully the unrest not the new normal but hopefully a uh, a a new way forward where we have greater respect and um unity together i could you know paint a hopeful picture we'd we'd like to see that as the way forward in the new normal but you know another huge category that um in our society right now that is nowhere near normal is um the the field of education.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And,
1: uh, in southern Illinois right now, uh the governor declared that there are several counties in southern Illinois that are a particular hot spot right now and schools had made plans to go back in person and now everything is online which causes cr- uh incredible chaos and upheaval in in families with students now working from home and um So I'm also wondering, in terms of a direction of a new normal, you know, as parents now have their students at home for at least the beginning of another school year, if parents might begin to uh, realize that, um, you know, public schools, while originally, you know, being a a blessing and a a good for society... um, are not the only way that students can learn. And that perhaps uh, parents, uh, I know, in the past couple of weeks, as more and more public schools have gone online, there has been a surge of interest in private education, including parochial education, Lutheran schools. I know many Lutheran schools have seen a bump in enrollment if they're able to meet in person. Uh, You know, the fact that you're uh, teaching the love of Jesus Christ may not be the draw, but if meeting in person is the draw, and as a byproduct, you get to share the love of Jesus Christ, then God be praised. But... um, there are uh there are things in the field of education that are absolutely not normal now that makes you wonder if perhaps um parents might need to start to reevaluate and say is even the old normal what should have been? And does this, you know, huge deviation from normal with the uh, students learning online in their homes through uh, distance learning and things like that um, is, is a, a change, certainly? But is the outcome simply to go back to what it was, or is there a new and better way forward, either through, you know, looking at a Christ-centered education in, in uh Christian schools, Lutheran schools are a wonderful example, or in um, parents recognizing that since their students are at home uh, that they could look at uh, taking even greater interest in their child's education through home education. So there are things there that are, are very unnormal right now and the, the normal going forward might be different. It might actually be a wake-up call to something that is better.
0: Well, we can certainly hope for that. I mean, school choice, for example, is an issue. Uh, the Republicans are a favorite. The Democrats are adamantly opposed to it. So we'll <laughs> see where that goes. But, you know, you're right. There's a, an enormous inequity in the public school system, and it, part of it is funding. Part of it is is culture, I suppose. Uh, I was listening to a, a, a podcast the other day, and uh, someone was explaining uh, – where, for example, Asian Americans and Jewish Americans put an enormous amount of value on work and education, and they really strive for it. Where others uh do not, uh, where such things as truancy is expected and excused. There, I'm sure you've heard of the uh, the uh, there's a, the movement they call to break the uh, the school to prison. Uh, uh, road where they keep disruptive students in the classroom, where they are interfering with the, uh, the education of those around them who want to learn. And yet that's excused. I don't know how we can get around that, but you know, you're right. It is a major problem and it's something that we really need to shine a light on that. You know, I, I, went to both Lutheran schools through elementary school, and then I went to public school in junior and senior high, and I got a very good education from both. I'm not sure that would be the case today.
1: You know, something else that as we think about what used to be and what is and what maybe could be in the future. Um, You know, in addition to education, are there better ways that we can look at education? Can uh, congregations take a step forward and say that, um, you know, we are going to look seriously into uh, offering a solid Christ-based, I prefer classical version of education? Can we look at homeschooling? Can there be changes going forward? But another thing that... um, Actually, I hope the new normal going forward is uh, different from the old normal, is actually in terms of uh, family structure and family life. When I think back six months ago, we were in, what, February, March, um, we were in the, the midst of every extracurricular program that could be offered, uh, you know, athletic events and academic events and speech and math and debate and drama and uh, robotics and y- you name it, and families were pulled in dozens of different directions. And when the lockdown hit, actually one of the relatively few blessings that I see actually coming out of the lockdowns is families were allowed to spend much, much more time together and I hope that the new normal, in some ways, looks more like the lockdowns in that way than the old normal. Um, God created the family structure as the unit for raising and caring for children. He didn't create uh, you know basketball programs and drama programs and speech and debate clubs as the way for children in its most foundational way, uh, to be socialized and to grow into adults. He gave parents and families for that. And I actually have been, in in a small way, encouraged That certain families that we talk to now as more activities are kind of coming back online saying, you know what, we are going to look long and hard at our levels of commitment to certain things and recognize that parents have such a precious time with their children. We have uh, My wife and I have six children ranging in age from 20 years old tomorrow, our oldest turns 20 tomorrow, happy birthday to him, (laughs) down to age six and um we are actually you know reevaluating is this group or this club or this activity uh something that is worth losing an evening together with family about uh and i hope that perhaps the new normal coming out of the the covid restrictions might include a greater emphasis on families being families families recognizing that when they had the opportunity to go and do adventures together that was a delightful thing that they could do together that they could um, hopefully spend time in devotion and god's word together that they could be a family together you know related to that um, one of the things that has been most touchy in the, the COVID reopenings has been restaurants. Oh, yeah. Uh, and now I, I enjoy eating out. I could actually stop before out and just say I enjoy eating. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, restaurants really took on an oversized position in our society in in recent years and um, there is so much value to be gained by a family sitting together around their kitchen table and sharing a meal breaking bread together as a family that um, I'm actually a little ambivalent about uh, you know restaurants reopening to full capacity that they were before I mean I I don't wish anybody you know a, a failure in business because of lack of clientele i mean i I'm very sympathetic to that that situation but i would I would love for a new normal to be a greater emphasis on families spending time together, families doing projects together, families eating together, families sharing meals together, and I would hope that might be a a you know a new normal coming out of the the situation that we've had uh we could you know look at the all the upheaval and, and uh, you know, say that, you know, throw up our hands and say, say woe is me. And there are certainly some things that, that are very concerning that we've talked about. But, you know, we might also be able to paint a picture of a a new normal that is, I think, more in line with the the wonderful, gracious plan that God has for us of placing parents and children together as a model of his church and his relationship for us, where we can uh, grow closer together as families than perhaps we had seen in our our vision six, eight months ago. So I think there are some things that we can work towards reshaping towards a new normal that's good, as well as things that we do need to be cautious about and not, uh, not slip into.
0: One thing I, I would encourage is we talk about the homeschooling or, of course, now we're doing a remote, uh, remote education through, through a Zoom classrooms, is I would really like to have parents more involved in actually monitoring their children's being mm-hmm. taught uh, for a couple of reasons on that. One, of course, it, it's, it, it, it more involves the parent with the child's development. I remember when I was in, edu- when I was in elementary school, oftentimes a parent would actually sit in the classroom to see what was going on. It was not unusual at that time, or thought to be unusual. Uh, now it's happening where I, I really think that's a good thing, but I know, for example, I, I saw a news story where a school district in, uh, I think it was in Pennsylvania, uh, <laughs> sent out a notice to parents saying, you may not monitor your child on uh, Zoom. Uh, if you do, he will, he will be uh, expelled.
1: <laughs> and uh, yeah. if that notice were to come out, I would monitor immediately and uh hope to be expelled because that is not a school district or a style of education that parents should have anything to do with. Run fast away if that is the is the reaction. Parents are primary partners in education. And a school district or a teacher that tries to cut a parent out and forbid them from knowing what the child is, is learning uh, has broken that system where the parent is the primary educator, and a child needs not walk, to walk in family but run away from that situation and find something better. The idea that parent that teachers know better than parents and school districts are set against the authority of parents is absolutely contrary to God's plan and needs to be broken immediately. Sorry to be a little harsh on that.
0: <laughs> well, I agree with you completely on that. I, I... I think the school district has since rescinded that policy. I could be an error on that, but I remember uh, seeing several stories about it. Uh, there was another story that I found quite disturbing, where uh, one teacher was was doing a Zoom thing, and she noticed that one of her pupils had a BB gun on his wall. She called the cops.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, Big Brother is watching. and also is a, a very, very concerning thing. Yeah. But you know um as we we're getting a little bit closer to the the end of the hour here and I'm, I'm thinking back through some of the things that we've talked about and one of the first things you mentioned was that throughout history there have been events where uh, there was a major upheaval and the new normal did not necessarily look like the old and I you, you reference things like uh, you know in the Old Testament where invading nations came in and conquered God's people we think about the Babylonian captivity and so And I was thinking through a little bit. One of the things that happened throughout the Old Testament that we as Christians kind of scratch our heads and think, how in the world did this happen? Was the Israelites in the Old Testament forgot who their God was, and they forgot what their God had done. For them, and so, you know, one example is: so the Israelites come out of slavery in Egypt. They come to the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea. God brings them through on dry ground. God overthrows Pharaoh's host and armies in the Red Sea. Leads them into uh, the into the, uh, the the Sinai Peninsula to receive the Ten Commandments and on to the Promised Land. And soon after that, the people seem to forget that God provided for them. There was a new challenge, and then they had no confidence that God, who just brought them through the Red Sea, would still be with them. We see this time and time again throughout the history of Israel, that God provides some marvelous means of rescue for his people. And within a few months, a few years, certainly a few generations, that is forgotten and the people no longer remember who their God is or what their God has done for them, ultimately then leading to things like the Babylonian captivity. And we shake our heads and think, how could they forget? (laughs) And yet here we are in a time of upheaval, a time of social unrest, a time with many, many problems and much strife. And we as Christians sometimes seem panicked and, and losing our way. And I think, my goodness, we're in the same position as the Israelites of old. We've forgotten who our God is and what he has done for us. And what has God done for us? Well, in the person of Jesus Christ, he refused to be separated from us. He refused to be removed from our presence. And knowing the the sickness of sin that infests us, as we know COVID may be out there in our society, Jesus came to us. He came to interact with us in the most intimate, personal way possible. He became fully human for us. And yes, he was, if we could use the, the analogy, infected <laughs> by us to the point of death. St. Paul says he became sin, who knew no sin for us, that in him we may become the righteousness of God. And so Jesus came among us died but by his death undid death and destroyed defeated death and so as we look around at the world that is an upheaval and in many ways is changing let's not forget who our god is and what our god has done for us and we don't need to be terrified stepping out into the world. We don't need to be fearful of our fellow human beings. We don't need to treat people of other races or other backgrounds with distrust and dislike. We can recognize who our God is, that He is the God who has come and become one of us. And so we can enter into the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ around us. And as Christ has loved us, so we. We can show forth that love to others, and in true love there is no fear. Jesus did not fear coming among us, even knowing what the cost would be. Jesus did. He came. He lived with us. He was with us. He continues to be with us. And so regardless of what the new normal is, we can go forth into that, confident of who our God is, the God who has become one of us, and what he has done. He has defeated even death for us. So what do we have to fear? We can face the new normal and even shape the new normal in a way that reflects God's love and compassion for all of his people.
0: Words of wisdom. (laughs) Very much so. Pastor Kirk Clayton, we are running into the end of the program. We've got about 30 seconds left. Do you have any final thoughts?
1: As always, it's a joy to talk with you and um, wrestle with some difficult issues that may be uh, of question to each of us and to your listeners. And we pray that as we, we seek God's wisdom, not the wisdom of the world, and God's ways, that he will bless the outcome and we can trust that he will lead us forward in his good plan.
0: Amen, amen. And remember, you know, it's also it's all laid out there in the gospel. It's all laid out in the Bible. I I don't understand the so-called cafeteria Christians who sort of pick and choose. Pastor, thank you so much. I'm sure we'll be talking again in the not really in the not real distant future. Thanks for the opportunity. Anytime.